Hello and welcome to the Magical Midlife Podcast, where you get a refreshing, uplifting and optimistic perspective on life in your 40s and 50s. I'm your host, Lindsay DeSwart, and I'm delighted that you've joined us here today. So let's jump right in. Well, good morning, good morning, and welcome back to The Magical Midlife. This is Lindsay here, and today I am delighted to um, be here with my guest, Robin Schiller. Now, Robin Schiller, you may have heard me talk about in season one because she is the wife of a horse trainer who has potentially saved my life this year. And so back in the episode in season one, I said, I'm really hoping to get Warwick's wife, Robin, here on this episode. And here she is. Welcome, Robin. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So, Robin, today I'm going to ask you all about your magical midlife, because I understand it's proving to be a bit of a messy magical midlife. (laughs) Right in the thick of it. It's pretty messy, and COVID didn't help. Yeah. First of all, will you give us some sort of foundation? Tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are, what your life sort of was about, and then we'll carry on with the journey to where we are now. Sure, sure. So I'm American, Warwick's Australian, so some people think that I'm Australian, but I'm not. I was born here in California 52 years ago, and horse crazy. I was on the front of a front of the saddle with my mom before I could walk and had, yeah, started competing when I was five. So, so I've been into horses for a long time. Yes. Yeah. And so I grew up, you know, middle-aged or middle-aged, middle, middle, grow up uh, aged. (laughs) No, (laughs) that would have been easier. Um, middle-class family, you know, I'm the, I'm the last child of three, um, which is similar to work. And And, yeah, I'm the same three. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So you get what that's like, you know, there's lots of things that I didn't have to do because the other two did. And, you know, I, I was into the horses, which was good for the attention from my mom (laughs) and and I was competitive. So that helped with my dad. So, um, yeah, I competed heavily until high school. And then, uh, during high school, I, I quit riding my horse was put down during that time. And I just took a little bit of time off. Then once I graduated back into it, and really into it, really into the showing and was showing in 1991 when I met Warwick. So he had come over here to the United States to learn how to train horses. Mm -hmm. And we just kept ending up at the same horse shows. And so, yeah, so one thing led to another and we got married Um, I always worked outside of his horse training business. So he, you know, he had a public business Mm -hmm. and started from scratch. You know, he, he built it up. We focused on the reigning. So that's, um, a Western event almost made it to the Olympics, but, uh, world equestrian games is the kind of the pinnacle of, of where we were with the reigning. And so I always had a job outside of that. So somebody needed to have the benefits and the steady income. And so I was in human resources. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So started in a legal environment Mm -hmm. um, as an HR assistant and then moved into manufacturing. So 
Um, I worked for a window manufacturer, semiconductor equipment manufacturer, um, did a little bit of consulting. I really liked the consulting. Mm-hmm. That was really, I really liked being the one to assist people and not actually having to do the job. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> so enough. I liked being able to tell people what to, what they should be doing, mm-hmm. um, but not actually having to do it. That was always challenging for me. Um, and then I, I got back into manufacturing and we spent four years in Australia. So I was going to say, cause You've you've also traveled a lot with the business, haven't you? Yeah. So in 2006, we moved to Australia for, well, we didn't know it was for four years, but um, we thought we were moving, making the move permanently for a whole lot of reasons. And um, we did that. And after four years, I was too homesick and my parents are here and my family's here and um, the horse thing wasn't working out like we thought it was over there. And so I told Warwick, yeah, I think I need to go home. So mm-hmm. we moved back and that was like the catalyst for what's happening with work now. So we, we, neither of us complain about it now that, that I made a move back um, and got back into the consulting. And then I was also a director of HR. Mm-hmm. And then Warwick's in the meantime, when Warwick moved back, he we had he started over again right so he had a public training and started over and he got these interesting horses that had issues and so he just started videoing them and he started putting videos up on youtube and people wanted longer videos and we had a a client at the time a reigning client um most you know the core business was reigning and then he yeah. would take these these warm bloods or or jumping horses with problems mm-hmm. Um, she had the idea about the subscription, you know, so you have the YouTube and then you have the people who want more. So you start the subscription. So we started that in 2012 and by 2014, the clinic requests were getting pretty heavy, you know, the, the customer service for the subscription and the subscribers was getting busy. And I I said to him, I said, when we get to this number of subscribers, I'm going to quit. Like I'm going to go to work for you. And, um, I almost made it. It was a little bit short of that, but so I was itching to get out of corporate HR and um, sure wouldn't like to be there during COVID. No, absolutely. So I was going to ask you, how was the corporate life experience? Um, I quite enjoyed it. Um, like I said, I liked I liked being a consultant better, mm-hmm. but I did, you know, every job that I was in a manufacturing environment or whatever, I always, you know, moved up the ranks and you know, did the promotions and did the, you know, I was, I was good at what I did Mm -hmm. and I enjoyed it. And I think I had a, Warwick calls it my radar. So I, and now I, I, I know what it is more than I did at the time, but you know, that made the interview process, interviewing people pretty easy. Cause I, the minute they walked in the room and I felt what now I know is their energy and their, and, and my intuition about it you know, I was good at that. So yeah. Yeah. And I, I helped Warwick fine tune his, 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 he's getting better about his radar. Okay. (laughs) That sounds like it's work in progress because every podcast, there's always another step that he's taken. Yeah. 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 So what was, so you said there was a, a real shift when you were interviewing people. Now, you know, that it was your energy but yeah. you didn't know that then. So when did that all start opening up for you? 
So in 2017, Warwick went away for a horse expo and clinic. Mm-hmm. And he went with a, fu- uh, a, a few of our English friends who were over here, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and they went with him. And he came back from that trip and he, he s- was very serious. And I think he might have even shed some tears. And he said, I had this emotional, spiritual break down or breakthrough or something. I had this something and I, and my only concern was that you would come with me that, you know, you would come along with me. Mm -hmm. And also looking back on that, I can, I understand where divorces happen (laughs) because, Uh, you know, at that point in time, he decided he was going this other direction. And, you know, if I wasn't interested, that's where you hear, you know, oh, we grew apart or our yeah. interests became different. Like he had this, this experience that woke him up. And so that's when he started taking the deep dives. Like he started going to therapy, he started experimenting. He started going down all these rabbit holes. You know, he started opening up the world. And for me, it was never a question. I, I almost saw it as, okay, good. He's going to come my way now, you know, because I was going to say, did, did you lead the way? No, I don't think purposely I, I led the way. I think I was, I think I was always, like I said, more, more intuitive, more empathic. And I think I probably shut that down a bit Mm -hmm. until, because if you're in a marriage with somebody who doesn't understand that it's, you know, it does get shut down. Yeah. So so when he started going down that path, that's kind of where it changed. Um, Brene Brown was kind of the gateway. Yeah, fair and enough. I think she's yeah. cool. Yeah. And then it's just gotten way more woo <laughs> since then. <laughs> you know, Joe Dispenza, uh, Bruce Lipton, mm-hmm. those type of things, Untethered Soul. Those are, you know, those are the things that let us kind of started us down down the path so awesome now if you're if you don't mind sharing can I mean I know Warwick's talked about it in public anyway so it sounds like your laundry got hung out in (laughs) in public whether you liked it or not what was your challenge with anxiety well it's been a lifelong challenge um probably the first real panic attack I had was if you've heard the videos, it was when it was the year we got married. Um, I woke up in the middle of the night thinking I was having a heart attack and I told him he needed to take me to the emergency room. And, you know, the doctor said, there's nothing wrong with you. It's Mm -hmm. you're having anxiety. And, um, I think I, I think I got put on medication then I forget what it was, but you know, they medicated me and on and off probably for the next Wow. Well, that was 94. I remember having a huge panic attack in 2004. I was, uh, I was starting a new job and I was having to fly to Rochester, New York to do two weeks of training. And the night before, like three hours, four hours before I was supposed to get up to get on this plane, I had like the biggest panic attack I've ever had, which gave me like a hangover afterwards. I didn't know that I was going to be able to get on the plane, but yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I've struggled with it on and off. And then when pre perimenopause happened, it, the hormones just did me in. And if I look back now, I think it probably was all hormone related. 
you know, interesting or somehow wrapped up in that. So when perimenopause started, yeah, I started, I, again, you know, I, I was convinced I was, my heart was bad and, you know, did all the doctor stuff, went back on medication, finally went to a naturopath. Somebody said, have you had your hormones checked? (laughs) Oh, I've seen the light. (laughs) Yeah. And I said, no. And they said, here, go to this woman and she will help you. And so that was also, I think that was in 2013. And, um, sure enough, they were pretty bad. Wow. And so she's helped me since then. And I see her every six months. We do blood work every six months and I'm officially post menopausal now two years. And, um, she's helped me through, I don't do any of the hormones. I just do supplements. Yeah. She keeps on top of it. And the anxiety you know, the supplement supplementation helped learning techniques helped, you know, yeah. Um, learning about your nervous system and how it works has helped. Honestly, though, since COVID and I had a little health scare last year since then, um, it's been more difficult. You know, I've been in mm. imploring all of the techniques and it's still, I still have some bad days. Yeah. So fair enough. Yeah. And how do you find it? Because I mean, you know, horses are meant to have this amazing healing energy. And I mean, I've seen both sides of it because I've had nights lying awake, sweating and worrying about what the hell I'm going to do with my horse and how I'm going to stay alive as much as I have with any of my children, except I've never actually feared for my life with my children. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yet they also have this very strong healing quality. So, I mean, do you find that working with the horses and being around the horses and having them on the property, does that help at all? I think so. I mean, I can go out and just, just their smell to me is helpful. Mm-hmm. Fair <laughs> enough. Aromatherapy. So yeah, I would say though, the one, one day I did have a panic attack while I was riding. So that was the oh. fun. It was, yeah. So I, I, I have tools. It's just sometimes they don't always work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm still exploring other tools. And, you know, I think also my naturopath helps with that. You know, she checks the neurochemistry and, and I, there are some things there that we, we work on and yeah. Yeah. So fantastic. Now you have had obviously a very um, busy competing career. Mm-hmm. Earlier yes. on. At what stage did that change or do you still compete now? I still compete now. Um, I just, my last show was just a couple of weeks ago, but I am at this precipice. So, you know, I did the reigning. Um, I won a lot, a world championship. We, I've competed at the 2018 world equestrian games for Australia, had our high, had my highest score I've ever scored. I didn't, Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I was the first one out of, um, out of the finals, the individual finals. I was a half a point out of making the finals. So when we went to the world, (laughs) when we went to the world, equestrian games, you know, we thought we brought our own horses and they lived together in a paddock and, you know, they had whiskers and bite marks. And, um, so we thought, we just want to go and not embarrass our team. You know, we want to go and do the best that we can do on the horses that we know and, um, put in a good score. Yeah. And we thought we would show once in the, uh, in the team event. And from the team event, they take the top, I forget how many now, 25 to go to the semifinals for the individuals and, or sorry, the top 20, they go 
all the way to the individual finals. And then the next 15 go to a semifinal. Right. Well, we both did well enough to get to the semifinal, which neither of us expected. And then in the, in the semifinal, we both bettered the first score. So yeah, it was, it was an awesome experience. Um, that would probably be Warwick's last competition, reigning competition. He's not interested in, in it anymore. Um, and I'm kind of getting, getting to that point as well. You Mm -hmm. know, once you start listening to the horses, it's hard to, uh, the reigning event is an abject lesson in obedience. You know, they have to do what you say when you say it. And, and I don't know that I'm that interested anymore. This last show was really hard for me. I, you know, I saw a lot of people doing things that I'm not interested in doing to my horses. And, Mm -hmm. um, I just, I don't know that I want to continue to do it. It's, it's a thrill and it's fun and it's exciting and exhilarating, but I think I can find those things. I can find that feeling somewhere else, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So very often I ask people, you know, is there anything from your chapter one, your early experience that you miss? And it's interesting because you say now, because you've woken up and Warwick's woken up and you're listening to the horses, you're obviously taking a very different path. So if you consider chapter one as being before wake up, is there anything that you miss from that? Because you're obviously on a completely different path now, still with the horses, but living a very different life. Well, you know, sometimes I miss the ignorance, honestly. Oh, yeah. Blissful ignorance. Absolutely. (laughs) Sometimes I wish I didn't know what I know now because it Mm -hmm. does, you know, because it's so unknown and it's so, you know, it's easy to go back to the familiar, even if you're miserable, at least it's familiar, you know, what <laughs> unknown sometimes. Yeah. And just no noticing everything. It's yeah. So sometimes the, the ignorance I miss. You wish you could put the blinkers back on. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Fair enough. And so what do you see as um, progression for you? Cause I know at one point you were doing therapy with the horses and, you know, people coming in and learning about the healing powers of horses. Is that something that you'll continue to do? So those are the, like what I've tried to step into. So, you know, in this messy middle of trying to figure out what, who <laughs> am I, like, what am I, what am I here for? I know what works here for. And and it very well could be that I'm just here to support him. And honestly, I'm, I think I'm okay with that. But then there's parts of me going, well, what else could I contribute? Is there something I can contribute? And so where I started was the equine assisted learning. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just didn't, I mean, I've done some things with that and I've got, I've done some courses up in Canada. I did a, a course and they're lovely and they, you know, it was a fantastic course and I did another one down here and I, eh, I've done a few sessions with people and I've done a few sessions with groups. I just don't know that that's the, yeah, not sure that's it. Then I did the Brene. Yeah. I did the Brene Brown. I went and got certified in her dare to lead. And I know that's not what I want to do. I don't want to, I I do. I don't want to go back to corporate. I don't want to go back to leadership training. It's that's not what I want to do. I do know that. So it's a great, again, a great program. She's awesome. I love her. I just, I'm not interested in that unless we could take it a different way. And I'm just not sure how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've done some women's retreats. I've done some, I've done a deep dive into the nervous system 
you know, yeah. stuff. And I have started integrating that at our home clinics. So the first hour of the home clinics, I get the people to try to get into the right, you know, into that so- social engagement so that when they step into the arena with Warwick, they're more open to the learning and they can hear it better and absorb it better. And that's been, I've done that the last two clinics mm-hmm. and it's gone really well. So that, yeah, that, that's something I would, I think I'll continue to do at our home clinics and maybe the clinics that I travel with him to. Yeah. And so, so how do you feel about traveling now? Well, I can't wait to travel, which is interesting for me because I don't like flying mm-hmm. and um, I don't, and I don't like for me, the leaving of this, of our house, like leaving all the animals is almost traumatic for me. <laughs> it's yeah. really hard. Yeah. And, um, how many horses do you have? We have 10 now. Right. And yeah. However, we do have an employee now who's been here since January. She lives on site. And so that makes it a lot easier yeah, to go. Seriously. Yeah. I haven't left my little dog yet, which will, that'll be the, that'll be the test. <laughs> See how she does with the little dog. But um, I'm excited to get back to travel. You know, we're still being really cautious. We're both, I mean, I, you don't have to put this in there if you don't want to, but you know, we're both vaccinated <laughs> and we did that, be, you know, mostly because we figured we're going to start traveling and we know that's going to be a requirement. And, you know, so we went and did that. But, you know, it looks like Australia is shutting back down, yeah. you know, England, apparently somebody said, well, you could come over here without two week quarantine, but I don't know, you know, I don't know. I don't know that we want to do anything international for a little while. Yeah. He does want to, he just told me, you know, let's go, let's get us something up in the Pacific Northwest. Let's go ahead and put something on the calendar for fall. Mm-hmm. So he, he's itching to get back. He really, you know, he just did a clinic in Southern California and he, He's so in his element when he's there. So I'd so love really to come to Ontario. <laughs> well, and you know, Canada's tough. So we have had a really tough time with immigration. And oh, okay. um, before COVID, we started uh, discussions with an Im- immigration attorney. And it's just so hard to try to explain what we do. And they mm. want to know who our employer is. And I keep saying, there is no employer. We're the employer. Yeah. It's, it's a real big hassle. So we're still muddling through that. Um, and I don't know, Canada is the border close to us. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either at the moment because I'm not going anywhere. So what would you say have been really key turning points in your life? Huh? I think moving back, moving to and moving back from Australia, mm-hmm. those were those were things that took a lot of strength, but especially coming back because Warwick and my son actually stayed there for seven months after I came back here. Mm-hmm. So I had I had told him a couple times that I I needed to come home, and he just kept saying, mm, "No, we're here. You need to just you need to." Settle. Figure it out. Yeah. Suck it up. And the third time I said, no, I'm going to go home. Mm-hmm. And and I arranged to get my old consulting job back. And so I set that all up. And um, and my son wanted to finish the school year there. 
and we had a house that needed to be sold. And so I, I left the two boys together. And actually that was a huge turning point because their relationship, I think really changed. I think my son was 13 at the time, you know, it was a seven months of them having to figure stuff out. Yeah. I know my, I know my son's set up to be an excellent husband. <laughs> you know, he can, <laughs> he can take care of himself. He can iron, he can clean, he can cook, you know, he can take care of himself, mm-hmm. which is great. I think that's a great gift to give his future wife. And, um, so th- those two things were, you know, moving there away from my family and then moving back was, yeah. they were both kind of turning points. And then Warwick's 2017 awakening that that absolutely was. Yeah. Yeah. And what did you learn about yourself? Cause when you, we normally, you know, they say that it takes the toughest challenges for you to learn who you are. So I still those- don't know. I don't know. I still don't know who I am. I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> you know, okay. I thought, I thought I had, I thought I had the anxiety under control mm. before last year. In fact, you know, there's videos on the subscription about, you know, here, do this. This is how, you know, I kind of told my story about it and, and did the nervous system stuff, but you know, I guess it's, I guess it may not ever go away. You know, I think it may always rear its head sometimes. So, hmm. yeah, so I'm I don't have, have it all. I've got to hold my out. tongue here and not go into a therapy and start asking you questions that we are not appropriate for a podcast. <laughs> well, well, we can talk about it after. Cause I'd love to. Yeah. We'll talk about that afterwards. Lovely. Yeah. Okay. So As far as um, being on this podcast and, you know, people being able to find you or if something that you have said has really resonated with them, at the moment, is there any way they can get hold of you? Or at the moment, are you deeply in hibernation of I need to find out who I am? Yeah, I'm I'm there. Fine. I'm in. uh, Yeah, I'm in the I mean, they can reach out to Warwick, but as far as I'm concerned, I need, I, yeah, we need to have therapy after this. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. We, we can do that. Okay. No, and I am, and you know, I do talk to, I have a therapist and I have other people helping me and I'm like Warwick just said, it is not for lack of searching, Robin, like you are searching and, and he, you know, he gives me a lot of credit for being open and being, you know, on the search and, mm. and I am, I do want to know more and I don't know, figure out what's next and be excited about it. And, and again, I do think COVID just, you know, it does like everything that I was normally doing. Mm-hmm. It's not working. I know. No. And that's, I know that's common for everybody. Every, you know, we're going to have a global crisis of, you know, mental health problems, I think. Mm. You're absolutely right. So many of the techniques that people were using before as management coping techniques they just don't seem to be working anymore. Mm -mm. So it's a very, very interesting time. And I also think for us going through this time in life at that same time is, I mean, you can see it both ways. You can see it as like, this is a major crisis, but you can also see it as, holy cow, this is a hell of an opportunity. Yes, for sure. Yes, I was just thinking that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We don't need to fit into this status quo of what's expected anymore because actually that's all on its head. (laughs) Great time to rewrite things. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. So what are your your kind of favorite books that have helped you along the way or books that have helped you have a real epiphany? 
Untethered Soul. I'm just, I'm yeah. listening to it again and it must be the fifth time. And then I'm thinking, I'm listening to it and I go, I didn't, I have not heard that part before. So right. you pick up what you need, I think from it. And uh, yeah, so I just, re- I'm like, I need to go go back to it. We're both reading um, Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. I know that's, that's, I heard it on a podcast the other day from Warwick and yeah. so I'm just waiting for my audible credit to come up for the month. And that's going to be this month's reading. <laughs> it's a great one. That's, that is a great one. Yeah. Um, you know, the Joe Dispenza books and meditations have helped, have been helpful. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so many books, but yeah. Untethered Soul is my go-to and it's my revisit. Go back to, go back to, go back to. So. Now there aren't there two books in that series written by the same author? And yeah, Michael Singer. So yes. I think it's the Surrender Experiment. Yes, and Living from a Place of Surrender. And I think he even has like a free seven day like video course. I signed up for it. I just haven't done it yet because I've been doing other things. But yeah, I I believe um, he has that available, and he has a full blown you know online course mm-hmm. from what I understand. Very cool. But the book, the book is, it's not long on, I've, I haven't read it. I have listened to it on Audible. Right. And um, it's not, it's like six hours. I think it's not. Too yeah. Long. That was one of the books that I listened to it. And then I bought it because I like, actually, I need to Highlight. see both forms. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm so. a re- I am a reader. So the Audible has been different for me. Um, but I, I like to have the book in front of me as well and highlight and put stickers yeah. on. Oh, you know, another one um, I would say is um, the Carrie Lake book. I think it's called Think Like a Horse. Oh, I haven't read that. I won't. I won't oh, it's in my it's in my room. Carrie Lake. Um, she was one of the podcast guests. She's okay. been phenomenal. Um, we just had her here for two days. She did a three day, four, four day workshop with um, eight other people and then and then a two day private with me and work. And, and it was really good, but she's the one that really got me thinking about the whole, what are you doing with your horse? You know, are you doing it for the horse? Or are you doing it for you? And it, she's got one sentence in there and I'm like, Oh, geez, yeah, I need to, con- <laughs> I need to contemplate that because uh, obviously I'm not doing it for the horse, you know, it's, it's right. been about me. And so she really was the one that got me to think about that. And and actually having her here at the beginning of the month. Um, yeah, she really, we worked through a little bit more of that in good person. You. So that was good. Yeah. Good for you. Fantastic. It takes some courage. I mean, I was working with a client today and he shifted some, you know, some big, big emotional stuff. And I just said, actually, for you to face that, it really takes courage because it's very easy to stuff it down. I mean, isn't that the old way of being is you'll just yes. stuff stuff down. And then, yeah. of course, I think most people think, oh, well, you know, all of these emotions are coming up or whatever, and it must just be menopause. You can handle menopause in many different ways. It's, yeah, it's, you don't just have to go and, you know, just do the hormone replacement therapy or whatever right. it is that most people automatically turn to. There's a whole bunch of other work that you can do to help yourself through the process. Do you think? Well, I've found, yeah, I think so. I think, again, being still in the messy middle and not sure how it's going to go on the other side of it, <laughs> you know, I I can't imagine going through it without my naturopath and, um, you know, without the resources that I've had, for sure. Yeah. 
fair enough. Excellent. Um, so is there anything on the horizon that you want to do? Not that you feel you ought to do or you have to do, but you really want to do. Well, I do want to travel. I do want to, to do some traveling and not just for the horse stuff, but just to, I want to go back to Italy and I want to see the Northern lights. Um, so those two things I want to go do. One thing that I'm really excited about is that we're going to be putting together a live event for the podcast guests. So oh, wow. it's going to be a podcast summit. At least this is the thinking now. I We're hoping it's going to happen mm-hmm. um, sometime next year. I've gotten pretty good response from most of them. And so it'll be a live, yeah, big, like just a collaboration. Not sure exactly what it looks like. That's what we're kind of working out now. I've sent questionnaires out to everybody to get their ideas and see how, you know, see what their ideas are. I can see that being like one big event and then maybe break off events in the different countries where the different guests are. So for Canada, you know, there's Josh Nickel and Sarah Schlatte and Jonathan Field. So I can see a like a smaller Canadian event at some point. And, you know, people people were really interested in maybe doing a retreat type of format with mm-hmm. some of the guests. So so yeah, there's a lot of opportunity there. The podcast, you know, has kind of created a life of its own when I was the one that suggested he'd start a podcast, but mine was more of a fashioned after like the radio call in shows where people call in and ask their questions and, and he gives them their responses. You know, he gives the answers to their problems. Mm. And, um, at first I was kind of hurt that he didn't, you know, take my suggestion, but now I'm, you know, now I know it just happened for the reasons that it happened. And the podcast has this, it's, it's just grown into this awesome entity. And, and I think to bring it in live would be, it would just be amazing. So mm-hmm. I'll be the one coordinating all of that. And I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Okie dokes. Well, I tell you what, I am going to keep posted for that. And so anybody who's listening to this, who is horse inclined, Um, because we have definitely had a couple of horse-focused episodes, I've got to say, Mm -hmm. just because of the journey I've been on since I've been doing the podcast. Um, Then I will post out information as as I see that and as I hear it. Um, And so hopefully they can come and look you up or look Warwick up, Um, because it's been so helpful to be able to do things in a more heartfelt, more intuitive, um, more open-minded way. Because yeah. the horse training for so many years has been pretty rough deal for the horse, quite frankly. Yep, for sure. A really rough deal. So, okay. So I'm not going to keep you any longer. A huge gratitude for you being on the show today. Thank you so much. And I'm delighted that we've met at last. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. You're really welcome. Okay. And so please come, uh, go, well, go and check out Warwick Schiller's website. And obviously through that, you will find Robin. And please come over to soulfuladventureliving.com, which is my website, and check out Lindsay DeSwart on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed this podcast or you think any of your friends are going to enjoy this podcast, please make sure that you subscribe and you like it and you share it and you spread the lovely messages that we can share about the magical midlife to bring some inspiration to all of us who are going through it.